Hey guys, it's Andrea. Welcome back to Trekkie and Beyond. This season is all about season four of Star Trek Discovery. Are you ready to discover Discovery with us again? If so, let's fly. Hello and welcome to Trekkie and Beyond, a Star Trek podcast. I'm Anika. And I'm Andrea, and welcome to episode 10 of Star Trek Discovery, and where it is called The Galactic Barrier. And finally, we're getting into some hopefully meat of the season, because Captain Burham and all of the crew of Discovery, plus some delegates, are finally going to venture out of the galactic part world that they know into the galactic barrier to talk to the people who created the whole entity that they are calling the DMA. Is it going to go down in the DMs? We don't know. So let's figure out what's happening in this episode. Monica, what did you think? I think this episode did not have to exist. <laughs> what? <laughs> of because, all episodes? Yes. Because what? I think that this episode could have been and should have been parts of other episodes. Like we should have gotten flashbacks for Tarka's relationship. And like, I don't think this galactic barrier roller coaster ride should have been like that. Of all episodes, this yes. one? Yes. This one. Yes. Okay, people, hold on. We might have to take a break because me and Monique might have to have a conversation of what the heck is going on. What? Yes, okay. <laughs> just when I think, just when I think, oh, Monique and I are going to agree, she throws me a curveball. <laughs> what is this? Okay, well, I liked this episode, except for Tarkin's part, because I still don't care about him. But I liked this episode. I felt like we were finally, like we were finally moving forward. We weren't talking about moving forward. We were doing it. There was action. There was, or at least the beginning of action. But like, I know next episode, something's going to go down. It's not all talk. And it's like, okay, talk, 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 talk. It was, we're going there and we're going to do this. And we're on our way to do that. It, it, I don't know. This this one seemed a little bit more action forward and less emotional bullcrap for me. And so I I liked this episode. I'm very shocked that we are not agreeing on this. Because I think the president gave us emotional bullcrap. Like, I think the president, like, did the same thing that she was telling Michael not to do episodes ago. So, yeah, let's dive in. And then I'll vent. <laughs> <laughs> So this episode basically is about Discovery preparing and actually going, um, leaving to go to the creators of the DMA in uh, the, the unknown species, 10C. And so this is like the first time they are like leaving the known galaxy and they're going somewhere else. Which, side note, I didn't realize they hadn't done this before. I just thought this was a galaxy they hadn't heard of. But whatever. So this shows how much I know about Star Trek sometimes. <laughs> Um, and we see that there are uh, delegates coming and that there are more there are more people besides just the Discovery crew going on to this trip because they need to, one, get there faster because the D this new DMA is actually better than the last one because how are you going to blow up and they send you an upgrade like it's nothing? Like, that is an issue. So now it's like they're sending their best delegates and their, their best ship and their fastest ship to get there to be like, hey, can you please stop this? Because we don't know where the DMA is going to jump to next. And that's the fear of the unknown. 
not so much of what it's doing because they get that it's, it's just mining um, that element that that galaxy doesn't have. But it's like, well, we don't know where it's going to jump next to. So now any planet could be the next Quajon. And we see Discoveries trying to get ready for that. And on the flip side, you have Book and Tarka, who I do not give a crap about. And Book, why are you still talking to him? Book, why are you still talking to him? Tarka, talking, going back to where Tarka was held captive to find some programmable ma matter to get them through the gravitational field at the barrier. I don't care about him. His side of the story did not tug at the heartstrings at all for me. But... We have Discovery and we have the president saying she's going to give pre um, all the power to the vice president because it is known that Discovery may not come back from this mission because, they, again, they don't know just because it's a mining vessel doesn't mean that the people are friendly. And just because they may not, or they may know exactly they're killing other people and they don't care. So this, everyone who's on this trip knows that they may not come back and they're still going to do it anyway because they are all have a death wish apparently but what did you think of the opening scene of the president giving up power and going because she's like i need to do this yeah so um i guess even backing up to that there was like a congregation i got together to talk about this mission and there's an engineer that was like eating throughout the episode i thought he was cute he was for me he was the light <laughs> but um is it Kovic? Uh, Kovic didn't want to travel on this mission. Um, oh, and um, they stated that this was the first time they've gone through the, they will go through the galactic barrier, but in other Star Treks, they have. So I don't understand why they're not sharing notes about this, but- Okay, Kovic, that's not crazy. I definitely thought they did this before. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> And, but then Kovic mentioned a three-hour tour, like they're going like on Gilligan's Island kind of thing, but they've done this before. And how did he know American TV episodes <laughs> nostalgia? From and that's like true nostalgia. Yeah. This isn't like your grandparents' TV show. This is your grandparents plus 900 years plus another 200 years on top of that. And then plus maybe another 50 years grandparent show. <laughs> yeah. So uh, so folks listening on a podcast, I was just rolling my eyes because I think that's ridiculous. So he knows about a three-hour tour in Gilligan's Island, but he doesn't know about all the other um, Federation voyages outside of the galactic barrier. Come on, folks. So what are you teaching in this academy? <laughs> this academy is flawed. Your training is flawed. You need to keep these records. Um uh, but um, I think, so circling back to what you were asking about the president, seems as though she wants to be on the front line. And I'm wondering if it's because she wants that prestige um, because she doesn't have to be there to negotiate. Um, she could send someone else in her place. Um, she's trusted Michael and other people and lots of other big decisions. So to me, it's like she wants this, bragging rights later uh the fact that she negotiated with this new alien species tensi so i'm actually seeing it as an opposite of that um i see it as she is willing to make that sacrifice because again if it goes bad it doesn't matter if she wanted the rights or not she's still gonna die um so, so for me i saw it 
if anyone watches the show Archer, <laughs> there's a scene where uh, one of the guys is always saying he built his Cadillac business from the ground up and he does it so he like he did what he did so he put other people in charge to manage the business so he doesn't have to. And there's one episode where he actually has to do uh, he has to go like do a big errand. It's like because he's the boss, some things he actually has to do. And I felt like for this one, it was like, look, it's more of you can trust someone else, but like you actually have to do this one because if it goes bad, it's not just Starfleet that's going to get the the short end of the stick on this one. Millions of people are going to die, and so I felt like she was like, look, I have to be a part of this, whether or not she takes the lead and is like, I'm the one who's actually talking. But like we need our best people uh, for this one. And because we end up finding that the president of Navarre is the person who's going. We have the um, ambassador from Earth is there. And it's like, look, we can't just send our B team or people we trust. We have to like, we need people who have proven in the past consistently they can get stuff done. And I'm going to be honest, Michael is a hothead. And she can't always be trusted to make the right decision for other people if she's worried about herself and I feel like I wouldn't I wouldn't actually trust Michael alone on this mission um because she'll learn one new piece of information and like well we have to take that into account mm, maybe just stick to the mission parameters please and so I actually am happy the president went with her because they need their best people they need and if there was someone better than her I would be like okay that person needs to go because this is someone, they're going up against a giant. Like, they're David, and they're going up against Goliath. And they don't know if they can come back. So you need your best people. Because if Michael fails, you need that. You need, okay, the president. Okay, if the president fails, you need the president of Navarre. If she fails, then Earth is going to come in with a one-two punch. Like, you need all your people, not just someone you trust. Sometimes it's like the boss has to be like, look, all right, I got we got to be a part of this one. I got to take control. That's how I saw it for her. But the president of Earth is not traveling on this mission. They're sending the general instead. And um, I don't know if it's good to jump ahead right now, but based on other decisions later on that the president wanted to make to go back and not mm -hmm. tell the crew, it makes me think that she was that she's not ready for this and that is more about her. Like she wasn't thinking about the overall mission because whoever's on this crew needs to be able to look forward and not look back and not think about what's happening on the home planet and other type of of issues back. Your, your mission right now, do or die, is to, to negotiate with the um, species 10C to... Um, reduce the spread of the DMA to try to prevent the DMA from growing, not what else is happening back on the other side of the galactic bearer back at home. Yeah. But we've also seen Michael make that same mistake and that same where she puts other people's. Um, oh, absolutely. Yeah. And the like, and I get it. I get it for the president because she physically has people unlike anyone in discovery. She physically has people back home. She has people on Earth. She has people, her partner's on the um, on Earth's moon. Her mom's side of the family is all on Earth. No one on Discovery has any other connection outside of Discovery. So it's not the same for them. It's not the same. So while Michael's like, you know, and I get that Michael's like, yeah, no, we need to go and do this because it's the job. Michael doesn't have, so what you call Earth home and you call Navarre home. Your mom's not even on the planet. 
And let's let's be honest. If your mom was on the planet, Michael, you would have gone tried to go back and get her, or you would have sent for her. So I definitely saw the president reacting as someone who was about to lose her family, which I feel like is a reasonable response. But then she still came to it to like, all right, yeah, no, Michael, you're right. We need to keep going on with this mission. But I think it's if they don't have that reaction, is she human? And she's not human. She's part human. But like, <laughs> like if she didn't care to want to go back because i feel like if anyone on discovery had family back home or had family on earth and they found out they would have all tried to say well we need to go back so i saw her i saw her reaction i didn't like her reaction i understood it um because definitely she's like tried to tell michael it's always you don't you don't risk people for everyone um and in this case they would have she would have been basically making her own mistake but i understood it because she was like look i don't want to lose my whole mom's side of the family i don't want to lose my partner and like all the other delegates they have family members there discovery is in a unique position that they can care about earth but they have no one there they have no actual physical ties there anymore like at all it's been 900 years yeah, yeah. <laughs> i guess i was just thinking about the and i'm gonna probably pronounce this incorrectly her Kishimashi Maru <laughs> Kobayashi, um, Maru, Kobayashi Maru. Maru thank you um and then the, the sacrifices to make and so if they have to make these sacrifices for the rest of the universe mm -hmm. uh and the galaxy then this is how it's going to be and it seems like she was constantly instilling to Michael to think about um, personal sacrifice um, and you can't save everyone. So I was just thinking, dude, follow your own. <laughs> and see, <that's, laughs> that, what is the whole parent adage? Do as I say, not as I do. <laughs> I can always give you advice until I'm in the situation. I'm like, ah, oh, crap. Yeah. And this time it was actually interesting though, because it was Michael basically almost throwing her own words back at her, telling right. her, look, you can't do this. Right. And I like that it showed, because I still don't like the president. I still don't like her, but I understood her decisions in this episode because I always say, if I'm in a zombie apocalypse, deuces, you get bit, I'm done. But like, if my mom gets bit, I'm like, no, nah, we can't, we can't leave her. What are we doing? <laughs> And it's like, see, you just you made me leave my mom, but that was your mom. This is my mom. <laughs> <laughs> so like, I understood, I understood her decisions. She was still wrong, but I understood it. Um, because like she had a moment of weakness, and we all have those. We've been with Discovery when they've had so many moments of weaknesses. <laughs> so I right. can hers. And because she didn't she didn't follow through with it. Unlike we've had people in Discovery who follow through with their moments of weakness. And it's just like, why did you do that? <laughs> <laughs> and then she didn't want to tell the crew, but this crew has made big sacrifices, yeah. has left their really own good. time, all their family members, all mm -hmm. their friends, like <laughs> for to save the universe and the galaxy and to then jump to this time and to help save today time and time again so mm -hmm. yeah she was wrong for that too <laughs> I, I i understood what she was saying but she was still wrong for it because in her mind and what she didn't take into account which i think michael probably did is again no one on this ship has actual any has any actual ties when i say on the ship i mean the discovery crew who are from the past they have no actual ties to Earth. They're talking about everything they want to do, but let's be honest, you can find another planet to go hike, hiking on. Right. You can do that. You can do any of that. Right. It's only really the delegates who 
are probably like, look, I need a shuttle. We need to go. I need to go back. (laughs) Um, It's really only the delegates who are at fear of going back. And so when Michael, I did say when, I did think when Michael was having them sort of like describe the parts they like about earth or whatever, I was like, that's pointless though. Cause none of those are people. Everyone else cares about people. You're caring about places. Places can be replaced. People right. can <laughs> right. And experiences, skiing, yeah. and different things like that. Yeah. You have a holodeck. You're good. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> so I felt like she she was wrong trying to keep it from the crew because they need to understand. I felt for anything, it should make them have the more gravity of understanding the situation that they're in. Like, oh crap. We really need to speed up because while we um aren't going to lose anyone more than we already have they're going to lose everyone so and to see the delegates face when it's um all the delegates faces when it's like announced it's like oh this is gonna suck and michael's like navarre and earth the only homes i've ever known yeah but that was the home from 900 years ago stop acting like it's now and your mom ain't even there because we're honest michael if your mom was on navarre you would have been like look paul jump back real quick let me go get my mom and then we'll jump again Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of delegates, and before we have to uh, the second act of the show, um, Saru confessed to the president of VAR that he had feelings and she did not express feelings back. <laughs> and I felt like that scene was sort of like a soldier going off to war and his love he wanted to share his feelings with his love before sailing out or flying out or whatever and uh little did he know that the president of the bar is going to join the show <laughs> that he had to face her time and time again <laughs> like, <laughs> so um, at least he shared his feelings um but I hope his feelings don't get too hurt. And I hope that she just couldn't share the fact that she also had feelings for him at that moment. It was kind of an awkward time and to share it in the middle of the hallway, um, not a more discreet area in his quarters or something around flowers and or a trail walk or something like that. That entire scene, I was just like, Saru, please stop talking. Please stop talking. Please stop talking. Please stop. Time and a place. And this is not the time nor the place. Stop it. You're right. It was like soldier going off to war. I need to let you know how I feel. But that's so much pressure to put on someone to respond the correct way. It's like, okay, I'm sorry what you're about to do, but I shouldn't have to respond the way you want me to just because you're going off to war. Um, And the only reason I say this, the only reason I say this is because I used to watch a different show um, and in the scene, this uh, this guy who worked in the house really liked one of the other cooks and she didn't have feelings for him at all, like whatsoever. But everyone kept telling her, oh, he's going off to war. You should at least give him a chance. And she's like, no, I don't like him. And no one respected the fact that she didn't like him. And so then he went off to war and he came back injured and they guilted this girl into marrying this guy before he died. So that way his father would have some type of connection. And it was like, did no one stop to ask her if she, like, so what? So what? He had feelings for her. It is not her responsibility to manage his feelings. And that's how I felt in the scene. I was like, Saru, this is not the time or place. It is not fair for you to tell her you may never see her again. So I just need to know, I just want you to know how I feel. No, 
No, because like I don't know what's gonna happen. She could have the bee's knees for him. She could fall at his feet and say, "I love you so much," but I just couldn't bring myself to do it before the before I knew what was gonna happen. But I don't like that. I feel like that's even though that's not Saru's intention, because we know we know Saru is not a manipulator. That is such a manipulative thing to do to someone. Like I'm leaving. I didn't know how you feel about me. And then of course I'm like, I do care about you because you could possibly die. Like no, I'm not saving face for you. I'm happy she told him. Like I'm happy she sort of shut that ish down because it is not for her to save his feelings just because he wanted to do that. And I don't like the how the writer sort of wrote that in a manipulative type of way because I was like nah, nah, this is not. You don't get to get some because you're going off to war. I don't like you. <laughs> no. <laughs> I feel as though in relationships, timing is everything. And because he asked like right before, like this whole thing is going down in the hallway around her support staff, I think it was really awkward. And maybe she just wanted a relationship on the down low, like on the DL. And <laughs> maybe she just thought, hey, this dude is cool. We connect on things. He's a friend. Maybe she just wanted a friendship. Yes. <laughs> Oh, I did not like call her out in the hallway. <laughs> I was just like, I, all I could see was like, are you really trying to manipulate this girl, this woman, this woman, this president of a planet <laughs> with your film? And yeah, no, I did not like that scene. I was just like, and I understand that they may get together. I still don't see it. I still don't feel the chemistry before the, um, between them. I really want to. I am trying to see the chemistry. I am just not seeing it. Maybe it's just like a wet that I'm that's going over my head. Maybe it's for smart people. I don't know. But I'm just not seeing it. And that scene definitely just killed it for me. I was like, yep, yeah, y'all just gonna be friends. Be friends. That's all I need from you. <laughs> but on that note, we're gonna take a quick break. And then when we come back, we're gonna talk about book and Tarka. As you can tell from my voice, I'm so excited to talk about that scene. And then talking about maybe what's going to happen next as the Discovery crew tries to make it through this galactic barrier. And will they do it in time? Will Earth be saved? Will Navarre be saved? Who knows? Because we don't. We'll talk to you after the break. Don't go anywhere. <laughs> and welcome back to Trekkie and Beyond. Part two of episode 10. Guys, this half is about the people I hate. Well, not the people, the person, because I don't care about this story. Y'all might, but in, in the story that he was telling, I was hearing, um, what is that saying about the inaccurate narrative or the inaccurate narrator? And I don't believe a word he's saying. I believe that he believes he's a good person. I don't believe he's a good person. So let's get into it. Tarka takes Book back to the planet where he was held in the Emerald Chain camp, and it's deserted. And he told him, this is where we need to get the, progr the programmable matter to cover the shield, because that's the only way they can get to the gravitational barrier. And Book is pissed at Tarka, first of all, because he's like, look, I found a, a, habitable, plan a habitable planet for you, and they don't have electricity, but I don't care. I'm going to drop your butt off. He's done. And Tarka's like, no, we can figure this out and book why are you still trusting this man he has shown you time and time again he only wants what he wants he doesn't care about what you want book he doesn't because now book is finally seeing clearly and he's like crap i made a mistake because if we had just listened to michael we would only have that one dma to deal with but no now we have one that's back within seconds of the other one being destroyed 
and it's stronger, meaning he has just put more people at risk than he that um who died, and it's all his fault if anyone else has died, if anyone else has died, because he teamed up with the a-hole. So while we're with Tarka and Book, Tarka starts telling Book about when it happened when he was held there and how he met a um another scientist there, Oros, O-R-O-S, um, and how he was like working on a project and we saw that Tarka was just trying to become his friend. And at first it seems like, you know, he's just like trying to buy the time because he's so used to being alone and talking because he does seem like an a-hole, you know? Like he's like, I'm just going to be your friend because it helps me, not because I actually really want to be your friend. And turns out that um, Aura starts trusting him and they come start becoming friends and he tells him his plan about how he's going to escape somewhere else. And they tried to pull it off and it and it fails. And the guards come in and they start beating Oris and they tell Tarka, okay, we're going to take you out of here. We're going to give you a shit, basically. And says that they knew Oris was working on something they couldn't figure out. And Tarka was there to figure out what it was in exchange for his freedom. So that has told me that man only looks out for himself. From the get-go. And even though, even though, don't come people listening to this, don't come to me, come to us talking about, oh, well, you know, he stopped the guard from killing Oris. That doesn't make him a good person. Doing the right thing for the wrong reasons doesn't make you a good person. And I still don't believe he's a good person. So what are your, what were your thoughts on that scene of meeting Oris, um, Tarka's relationship with him and how he explained it to Book? Do you trust his narrative? No, because I haven't trusted him since he put a force of put a um a security system on book's ship without book's knowledge and permission so ever since then i was like book you need to get rid of him as soon as possible i agree with you i don't know why he continues to trust this man because he shouldn't (laughs) and he just needs to inject him out just to check him out (laughs) or beam him out somewhere and keep it rolling send him back to the federation let them deal with them but um yeah and so I have several problems with this part of the episode. Mm-hmm. When they landed and they were walking, a ship a ship seemed to hover and it was cloaked. So what happened to that ship? That ship was arriving there, but they were in this science area, this research area. But um, I don't know. I feel like there's a there's a disconnect between the fact that there's other people i guess mining for the other inf- the other mechanics that was on that that planet and they seem to like gloss over that once they were in that science research area they were like oh forget about the fact that there's other people there because they weren't in a rush basically mm-hmm. it weren't like okay let's go get this this um that matter that they were looking for and let's quickly leave no he had time to tell the whole story and explore <laughs> Stuff like that. get it and get out um and then i was thinking he should have shared this we should have had flashbacks i'm disappointed that the writers did not give us some flashbacks to this um throughout this journey wait until this this episode i guess three episodes till the end to share all of this story and dump it on us without gradually sharing it. I wish they would have done that instead. Then I would have built up more, um, I guess, um, 
emotional support for this similar to when Ariam just died and we just got to know Ariam the episode before and so I didn't have as much emotional vest I wasn't vested into Ariam yeah. I don't feel that way too for Oris now I understand that they were Asire was just using him but I wish there was more um, and I want to know more about his species because you know that I love exploring other worlds, other mm -hmm. planets. And this is seems to be a species that I haven't, ex I don't know about. It's not Ferengi. It's not any of the other kind of known um, uh, species. So I'm just curious more about that um, and how he was captured and so forth like that. He's just so innocent. And I feel like, Tarka once again shows his manipulation and was trying to use try he was definitely playing both sides. He wanted to escape too, mm -hmm. but he also wanted to protect his interests that if, if Oris right. didn't work, he can still escape. And here's the thing that you're here's something you just said that made me um like something you just opened up my eyes. You said that they didn't tell us this beforehand. Um, and like, if they had, maybe we would have cared so much. We would have cared some, but here, all we've known about Tarka is that he's a manipulator and he tells stories when it suits him. And so how, like this whole episode could just be another manipulation where it's like, you have a narrator that you can't trust because why, like, why are you waiting till now to tell book this side of the story? Cause you tell him just enough to keep him on your side. So yeah, he, we don't know the side of the story yet because this is like Tarka trying to manipulate the audience to be like, oh, okay, all right, we see what he's doing. Okay, first it was like, all right, he just wants to blow something up. Okay, no, now he's trying to get to his friend. Okay, well, he was just really desperate because he betrayed his friend the first time and he really wants to get there. How do we know any of this is true? We, all we have is literally his word for it. And he's literally said, there's no record of the guy alive or dead. He could be making all of this up and we would be none the wiser because he's a manipulator. And I feel like this is another manipulation to, this is not the complete truth. I don't believe this is a complete truth about him. Right. And all the more reason book, you know that he manipulated his past partner like just mm -hmm. 10 years ago. And so you're going to, <laughs> that he was basically on survival mode and uh, he worked out this other, uh, his for his own good and so book all the more reason for you not to trust this guy and let's be honest he left him yeah he left him because i got to go on without me how many times in a movie do you really see someone say go on without me and they actually leave and the person have a weapon or something and they don't come back from them beforehand like nah in my opinion, I don't think the guy told book told that book told Tarka to leave him behind. I'm pretty sure the guy was like, "You can help me," and Tarka was like, "You're gonna slow me up." And yep, I don't believe it. I, until I until I meet Oris and he tells me to my face that Tarka's a good guy, all of this is a lie. I do not believe him whatsoever. This is all a manipulation. Right, and obviously they had a closer bond than Book and Tarka. Mm-hmm. Or supposedly. Because again, I believe that guy's a narcissist and he's going to use people to um, get what he wants and make them think that he's close. I don't trust Tarka. I don't even think that he viewed the guy as his brother. I just think this is all a yarn he's trying to spend to get out of the galaxy. 
That's all I believe. I don't trust a single word that he says. Yeah. So we find out that Tarka then gets the programmable matter. And he shows and he tells Book that he's been coming back once a year, hopefully for hoping for a sign so he can get to where Oris is. Oris, don't send him any signs. Stay where you are. Stay safe, my brother. If you're real, if you are real, stay safe. Stay away from Tarka. You don't need that manipulation in your life. You don't need it. But the rest of the episode <laughs> is all about the Discovery crew trying to get through this galactic barrier because they're at the edge. And they have to jump into these random cells to like fly that part, that whole part of science sort of went over my head. I will admit, their science part, I feel like they're stretching the truth. Cause okay, we have to jump through one cell to another cell to another cell that's forming on the other side, and we can ride that wave all the way through. None of this makes sense to me scientifically or just logically or realistically. None of that science part made sense. But do you think do you, what do you what did you think about them like always having that last little we need 30 more seconds well i can possibly get you th- where's all this extra seconds coming from it's like <laughs> where is this coming from like scientifically you say you we don't have any more and you keep finding more what is going on that's why i feel like they're dragging out this episode this episode did not exist because first paul jumped like I don't know, light years away from the galactic barrier. So then they had to travel there to get it. And then once they were in it, I felt like the inside of the galactic barrier was like a lava lamp with like lots of little holes. <laughs> they had to like hop from one to another, like a video game. It was strange and yeah, and get more power. But engineering was forced to find all this additional resources. Still can't find Jet though. I was <laughs> there on the scene to help them. <laughs> Adira was sort of come and go in there. It was all on Paul's shoulders. It, um, yeah, I, I don't think that this needed to occur, um, especially because in other Star Trek episodes, it was not this level. They didn't have these lava lamp bubbles to go through <laughs> all of this other trauma. <laughs> Yes, I I want to go to places unknown, places that haven't been explored. But come on, folks. Yeah, they just added this drama. They did. It was just like seriously, like what that I will I will I will give you that that scene was not necessary. I was just like, I ordered thirty more seconds. That's not how science works, and you know this. <laughs> but they get through the barrier because of the discovery. Woo! And everyone, they're outside of the Milky Way galaxy. And they are very shocked to see that there's not that many stars out. And there's and they're just like this, that no one's ever really been here before. And before they move forward, the president says, okay, she needs to address the ship. And Michael basically gives over the comm to her to do so. And she explains um, what we spoke about in the first half, that basically the DMA jumped and now it's encroaching into the um into Earth and Navarre's space. And while they know that Starfleet is trying to um evacuate, they're doing mass evacuations, it's still scary to everyone who's there. But it's like, hey, we told you, but after we can't go back because you can't go through that barrier again because you don't have the shields anymore. <laughs> um, and then near the end, you have uh the president asking Michael, why did you want me to do it by myself and Michael I like Michael's answer because you're my president too like people are supposed to trust you like Michael gave her the 
foothold she needed to seem like she was still in power and didn't take that away from her. Um, which is, I think, is growth for her because a lot of times when we see Michael doesn't agree, she outwardly speaks against what's like, we've seen her go against the president publicly before. And she's like, well, you're my president too. And it's like, okay, you, I still have her support. She still has my support. We're still teams. I don't like you, president. I still don't like you. I understand what you did this episode. And I understand why you acted the way that you did. I still don't like you. But Michael's right. You are her president and you cannot... You cannot fall short sighted of the goal. And I like that part where Michael sort of put her into check <laughs> in a very polite and positive manner. <laughs> I agree with you there. I did like that part. And the right before they went through the galactic barrier, Michael had a, like a one-on-one -on -one with mm -hmm. the president of our to draw the line. No, sorry, the president of Federation to draw the line about like who's controlling what. And I think yeah. that was important, <laughs> the conversation to have. And then in the end, they came to a compromise that the president will manage diplomacy and Michael will manage the ship. And so um, that's part of the diplomacy is to announce really what's happening with the um, the DMA and, and where it decided to go to next. So I'm glad they had that conversation and came up with that. Me too, because it needed to be said. Um, because we have three more episodes in this season. Um, and that's not a lot of time, in my opinion, if this is going to be a huge battle or not. I don't, if there's going to be a lot of conflict or not. Um, and makes me wonder, is part of Earth going to be destroyed? Is part of Navarre going to be destroyed? Because we only have, we only have three episodes left. And they said that Navarre and Earth had a couple hours, if I'm not mistaken. So, <laughs> um, I'm wondering what's going to happen next episode. Are they going to make contact and are they going to shut down the mind while they continue to have these conversations and negotiations? Um, is the moon going to explode? Is, are we going to say bye-bye to Earth's moon? Are we going to lose a, are we going to lose a colony? What's going to happen? Are there going to be people who die? There's a lot of questions that I have about what's going to happen next. And only three episodes. And you know, at the end of the, the last episode is either going to, the whole fight is going to come to a head or it's going to be a whole party. So let's say we got two episodes of conflict. Do you think it's going to be a true conflict? Do you think it's really going to be resolved? Do you think these aliens are going to be worth it for an entire season of wondering who is the big bad? Do you think they're going to look interesting? I'm, I am dying to know what they look like. I haven't Googled on purpose. So I haven't Googled either, but I'm going to go out on a limb here. I'm going to say that Earth is not destroyed. Okay. Navarre is not destroyed. That okay. I think that would be really tough for the franchise. <laughs> <laughs> and secondly, I think Auras. I think that he might be behind the DMA and, and to find power for his multiverse travel to find Tarkin. That's a good guess. I didn't even think of that. That is, what if he thought he was escaping, but he really went there? I he created the DMA to try and kill the ML train, but like didn't realize the war was, <gasps> That yeah, it, it a matter of fact, I think it's going to loop back 
And I also think that Book and Michael are not going to have a relationship, but he's going to like, like go off in the wind. Like he's going to like travel out and like be separate. I don't think he's going to (laughs) be. There's no coming back. I don't think he's going to have to wear that uh, mustard colored jumpsuit that Michael had to wear in the first season. (laughs) I don't think, I, I think he'll probably stay out of the galaxy. Yeah. Um, where Starfleet has no uh jurisdiction. Right. Um I don't I do not foresee them getting back together. And I say this to say I say that to say how can you come back from this? Yeah. Like how can you truly cuz you can still love each other, you can still care about each other, but how do you come back from this blatant display of disregard to the fact of on um, like and I hate to say it's on book side, but it is because I understand what you're going through. But you put your girl in one of the worst positions. You were trying to make her choose almost between you and the Federation. No. And she tried. And yes, at the end, you did try to agree with her, but you started something that you couldn't control and you have to live with the repercussions of that. And I don't think they can come back from this. And if they do, it's going to be bull. Because how? How? How are you gonna come back from this? You maybe you can come back in another season, like down the road, but this is they can't I don't think they can end this on a I love you, I love you too. Kiss. No. It can't if they if they end up together, I will be very upset because this was a blatant. How can you be in a really like because no, no, I just I mm. yeah. I think they have to reunite just for a split moment. Yeah. Just for grudge. Because Grudge is caught in this, going to be caught in a custody case. <laughs> and Michael is not as fond of, of Grudge. So he's going to come back to get Grudge. But other than that, like, he just needs to go back to, like, um, his career duties. But in another galaxy, as you stated, outside of the Federation. Because, um, yeah, I, I don't... <sighs> Because how can you trust that he'll respect your position? And granted, he's not in the Federation, so he doesn't have to respect it. But like, to even have respect for the position that she was in. And I don't think that he, when it comes down to it, he he's going to choose the way he wants to, because we, we've already seen that. And I just don't think they're going to be healthy for each other. So I think I think he's going to fly out to where she is because, you know, they're trying to get to that area too. Um, and I think he's like going to hand over, she's going to hand over grudge. And I think they're going to have a heartfelt goodbye. And I think we're not going to see him for like a season or two. Um, because I don't think I would not be able to come back from that. So immediately at all, like how do you tell everyone on the ship? Yeah, we hunted you down and we, you are a friend. We kept your ship on our ship. We, we we trusted you. You got to the season inner sanctum of us. And the moment you got upset, you risked all of our lives. And you made it worse. And the funny thing is, that was what Michael did in the first season. But like, again, I'll say this because I will always die on this hill. That war was always going to happen. The Klingons were always going to shoot first. Um, but book is different in the sense that there was a way around this. What happened could have been exactly an accident. 
and he wasn't willing to hear it. He just wanted vengeance. And Michael also wanted vengeance against the Klingons, but that war was always going to happen. Klingons wanted to just fight for no reason. This could not have, this may not be a war. And it could have been because of his actions. Right. And at several moments of, in this story, Book could have admitted that this was going terribly wrong. Mm -hmm. And time and time again, even to the torpedoes that were fired for by Tarka, but to the ship, I don't even think Discovery crew knows that Tarka fired those. They just know that it came from Book's ship. But um, it, 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 he not he hurt several relationships there. Um, Burned all those bridges to the ground. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe after she retires from the Federation, um, they can reunite. But... Fly off into some other known unknown galaxies together. Because apparently now his ship can jump, so they can go anywhere. Any last final thoughts before we end this episode? I wonder if Kovich knows a lot more than what he shared. I don't trust that white man. I don't <laughs> trust him. I don't know what. I have been saying it since the moment we met him. There is something off about that guy. He knows something. Yes. Uh, so I wonder if he's like an underground time traveler or something. Cause he knew, he knew to stay behind <laughs> um, in a good space in the Federation, not on earth, not any other place. He knows where to be at the right time. And he, he can definitely read the room. Um, don't trust him. <laughs> I'm looking forward to seeing where this goes. I have to, I need closure. I, it better get better than this. And um, don't just keep stringing us along to buy time and um, commercial breaks or something like that. I need more. That's it for me. I have no other final thoughts, except I cannot believe me and her did not agree on this episode. Like she thought was, this was her filler episode and this was not mine. I cannot believe that. I'm still <laughs> stuck on that, people. <laughs> but as always, I'm Andrea. And I'm Anika. And live, and live long, long and prosper. And prosper. Hey guys, it's Andrea. Thank you for listening to the latest episode of Trekkie and Beyond. If you enjoyed that episode, feel free to subscribe by pressing that small little follow button. And if you feel so inclined to support, well, that's even better. And as always, live long and prosper. Mm-hmm.